0: Hello, and welcome to RBC Disruptors. I'm John Stackhouse. This is part of our three-part series looking at skills and the future of work. And we're talking to some fascinating organizations from different parts of the Canadian economy and society to understand how technology is changing them, how it's changing the way they look at talent, how they hire, how they train, how they retrain. And today we're looking into healthcare. We're joined by Shirley Sharkey, who is the president and CEO of St. Elizabeth Healthcare. It's a national not-for-profit charitable organization that delivers more than 6 million healthcare visits annually by its team of 9,000 dedicated leaders and professionals. And Felicia Kontopidis, who's a nurse and clinical practice coach. Felicia, Shirley, welcome to the show. So Shirley, let's uh, let's start with you and maybe a quick bit of background about St. Elizabeth.
1: Well, St. Elizabeth is uh, one of my favorite healthcare organizations. We're all about impacting the lives of people in their homes to help them live there well and age well. We do this by providing healthcare services, and I say everything from scrambled eggs to home chemotherapy. Uh, We also have a great deal of educational services for people and research But the simple answer of why St. Elizabeth exists is because we want to spread hope and happiness.
0: That's a great line hope and happiness. And we can come back to that because it's probably more powerful in an age of disruption. But I I imagine your typical patient or client is someone who has been released from hospital or not allowed uh, or discouraged from going into hospital. Stay at home, it's way cheaper to the system, and you're assigned by the healthcare bureaucracy, essentially, to handle their case. Is that a, a, a fair way of yep, sort of capturing description. how? description. And probably everyone listening is going through, unfortunately, going through that experience mm-hmm. or, or certainly has a, a memory of helping a loved one, a relative, a neighbor with that, and it's your heroes who are uh, showing up at the door. And Felicia, you're on the uh, front lines of hope and happiness. You're one of those heroes who do show up at the door at uh, all hours and all days of the week. Tell us a bit about how, how you got into nursing.
2: I feel like nursing was always sort of engraved in my genes um, as I reflect back on a picture in kindergarten where I wore a lab coat and held a stethoscope to a teddy bear. To the later years in high school where uh, we had some students from a university come talk to us how, about how great nursing was. And I think since then that was sort of my calling to go ahead into nursing
0: Shirley, give us some insights, if you will, on how technology is changing and disrupting home care.
1: Uh, Well, technology probably has been changing this environment for many, many years in the sense of both changing uh, our business and kind of the challenges of travel and communication and knowledge and exchange. But I would say more importantly, it has changed people and their families, and how... You mean the uh, patients? Yeah, absolutely. But we call them people. Um, <laughs> patients are people. That's good to, that's a, uh, good to and, stress. And that's probably an interesting thing about the home care space. We we know that we're in people's homes, so they really are living there 23 out of 24 hours when we come to visit. So that's why we typically have said clients or people. But all of that aside, they are um, much more informed, you know they're much more empowered. They have all Probably kinds misinformed, of information. Much more
0: misinformed too. I'm um,
1: guessing sometimes, but I think what we're finding is uh, they're they're keen, and their family members and caregivers are very keen. They've looked up their conditions. Felisa, t- tell
0: us how technology has uh, has changed the work you do.
1: So,
2: speaking from my own experience, from when I first started with the organization till what we continuously see today and moving forward, is uh, technology seems to be really supporting both the patient and ourselves in collaborating together. Although it is, it is a bit of a process. It requires um, so the tools that we've been given with Saint Elizabeth to support. Both ourselves and the patient in communicating together requires quite a bit of coaching, constantly uh, keeping up with those changes and also keeping up with the needs of the patient as their needs continue to change.
0: We call you a nurse, but in many ways, you're a data analyst. You walk into a situation and you're there to extract. You're not extracting blood, or maybe you are, but you're extracting data with that uh, wrap around the arm and the questions that go into, into your device. Were you trained in data sufficiently?
2: Uh, So I didn't get formalized training, but I think the type of training that I did get was somewhat better because the way I learn is the way when you throw a baby in water, how they learn to swim, questions come up because I'm actually in the home, I'm actually experiencing it, and I'm actually seeing what the needs are from two different lenses, from an admin lens and from a direct provider lens, and also hearing directly from patients. So, for example, when we had a situation where we were introducing new technology in a home, I met with a nurse, I met with a client, and I had to customize the type of education I was giving to the nurse differently and to the patient and their family differently because, for example, the patient may not have been very tech-savvy, but the daughter was very tech-savvy. So They were asking very different questions on how to use the portal, for example. Whereas the nurse was thinking from a nursing lens, asking very clinical information in terms of what the expectation of her are in terms of documenting. You wear different hats sort of in this data analyst position, and I I was very fortunate that I could uh, be in two different places.
0: Shirley was talking about the, the informed client, the informed patient, and that's true of any business. You know, We all stand in the grocery store reading on our phones about products as we're trying to make a decision. It's the same in healthcare. Suddenly, everyone is uh, an informed patient. Some of them probably think they're qualified probably to do your job, even though… They're not. Does that make it easier or harder?
2: I find in in many situations with uh, you know a very tech savvy, well informed uh, client, it it may pose as challenging because they are asking questions that we may typically not have been expecting. More specific, critical questions just based on their own research uh, using the technology that they have available to them. So we always have to be on our toes, uh, ready to navigate them through. those questions answer in ways that show that we are informed, that they, that we do acknowledge their
1: concerns around uh, the questions that they are asking. And one thing that we've put in place, knowing that the practice has changed to be more of a coach, and actually Felicia is taking on that role, and, and we are... So th- the
0: nurse today is more of a coach?
1: Absolutely. So that also then the nurse is coaching the patient and the family, and it, it is because... They have more information, the patient and family. The technology maybe gives us the diagnostic information to work from. So a lot of this is a very different practice approach than we have seen many years ago. And and it's to make sure that we're changing the skills of what typically nurses were educated in maybe 20, 30 years ago to be a very different sort of professional and a very different sort of interactor. With the family.
0: So let's talk a bit more about that in the vein of skills and Felicia, what you trained for, how you trained. I'm thinking back to you in kindergarten with the stethoscope and the teddy bear, which is sort of that classic image of the healthcare professional. Is that kind of what you trained to be? And then you get out in the field, and now you've got Shirley telling you you've got to be more coach than nurse. How how, how do you evolve as a healthcare professional?
2: So initially, what I trained for was really, you know, the mindset was that I would apply those skills hands-on with direct patient care, and since working with St. Elizabeth, uh, many leaders within the organization had been pushing me to really go forth and and participate in in new opportunities that were happening within the organization so with those new opportunities that uh, I was able to take advantage of my skills sort of broadened in different areas which involved project management collaborating with project team members virtual care coaching patients now virtually coaching other no, uh, nurses using my experiences obtained from from within the community, uh, being able to now be that call support for the nurses in the home, trying to problem solve uh, when they encounter complex situations.
0: It, Shirley, how do you how do you develop these skills in a workforce of 9,000 people, so that you've got people who are not just great healthcare professionals, but can do project management, can think critically, can collaborate both within the organization and outside, can communicate. With, uh, with patients?
1: You know, I think it starts with always looking for the future and what changes are happening. So culturally it starts in the organization that there's never a finish line, we never have it right. So we constantly have to be looking to see what's changing in the environment, either economically, from a social point of view, in particular in home care, and then from a technological point of view. So everybody is always, what's the next thing? No one is ever, well, i finished this, and that'll be the end. And also looking at innovation, because we, probably 25 years ago, started the innovation sort of culture and the idea factory using IKEA furniture, and we thought we had, you know, the whole leadership on on innovation because we bought IKEA furniture. That shows how silly you can be in this space. But I kind of use that as an example to really explain if that is what the organization understands, new ideas, nothing is sort of wrong to try to progress in a new way change things up ha- take some risks learn some new skills upskill do things very very differently then the energy exists in the organization and what's good about that is because that's the only way we really will have an amazing impact on people's lives because they're changing just as we are changing um so we've gone through some very traditional educational things but right now Many things, for example, related to being change agents. Who who educates health professionals and says, now let's have everyone educated to be a certified change agent. But that's probably the most critical thing at this point.
0: Are nursing schools or medical schools not developing those skills?
1: I think we're very much still in the traditional um, clinical competency space, which we all know we require to have the baseline of sort of the biology and pathophysiology and all of those things, but more and more with technology changes and automation and diagnostics that can happen, it is changing what is the skill set now of the health professional where they are much more about interpreting that information for people and really getting back to the human experience and the human exchange, which is what they love, which is why most people went into this profession.
0: Felicia, did they teach you that in school?
1: I
2: think if they did, they didn't do it very uh, detail-oriented because I would have probably used some of those skills or remembered them. But I feel that everything that I learned around that came after being immersed in the actual work and being recognized by leaders within the organization, being pushed to participate in uh, the various opportunities that were available at St. Elizabeth. So that's where I was really able to embrace learning those unique skills. So
0: surely, probably a question that goes through every employer's mind is, can you hire for these skills? How do you test for them? Or is it something you've got to develop once you get the raw talent like Felicia through your door?
1: You know, Um, Over the years, it's been a bit of both. I mean, at the senior level, I've kind of used language described as sort of talent disruptors. I mean, at the senior team now, I've recruited four people who have no health experience whatsoever. Engineers, lawyers, you know, marketing gurus and consumer goods. Our futurist had a PhD in in biochemistry. That's sort of the, the closest to the health space. And that's because at our stage, I think we need to bring those skills and that diversity into the organization. And people say, well, but don't you need another nurse or a doctor or another therapist at the table? I go, no, we have 9,000 of us here. We need to have the diversity and the skills that now can be translated into our environment. And it is extremely exciting because we are problem solving in a different way and we're looking at sort of complex situations in a different way. And when I brought in our uh, chief operating officer, who really was an engineer, and it was funny, I said, I want an engineer who has an MBA. And it was because my thinking was they would have the skills to help us with the effective problem solving that's so critical at the operational level versus typically would be, I need a master's prepared clinician which may very well be what you might need for some activity, but in that leadership role, I really have looked at it in a very different skill set. But health traditionally will not hire, certainly, people at the senior level, unless they've been in the exact same job and demonstrated exactly what they did previously with all of the corresponding credentials.
0: It's funny how you talk about problem solvers, and many of us probably think of healthcare professionals as problem solvers. We go to you with a problem, and you uh, you solve it. And Felicia, I'm wondering, as you sort of look not only at the profession, but look at the years or decades ahead... How you think the profession healthcare professions writ large can better address the problems that you're tackling every uh, every day what sort of skills do our doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals across the country need to cope with the challenges you're seeing
2: I, I definitely think an understanding of almost cultural competence is essential because within my experience working with such diverse populations, within an urban city, I have constantly had to adapt to the different environments that I found myself in to best accommodate the care needs of that patient and that family. And I find you cannot apply the same care plan, for example, to 15 patients. It'll always be different based on their specific needs. And I think for physicians and other leaders in the healthcare profession, being able to have those skills to connect with patients meaningfully, um, to to understand uh, what, what they need to build that trust, and to be able to work with them on an individual basis to come up with uh, something that works for that individual and their family and their goals, I think is very important.
0: I can only guess how hard that is for you out on the front lines you're usually alone going into a, a situation at least a doctor in a hospital has a whole infrastructure to fall back on for you know dealing with these cultural challenges you're out there on your own going into a stranger's home what does it take to to manage that that sort of situation or those 15 different situations that you may face in a given day?
2: I think first and foremost, experience goes a long way. And with experience, you start to develop critical thinking, which is key, being able to prioritize, being able to be innovative in the sense of adapting to a specific environment, being able to you know strategize what you need to get done within the time frame that you have to m- ensure that the patient is safe, that their immediate needs are met and move on to work wonders with the next patients, because sometimes, you know, you can plan, plan, plan all you want, but you need to have a backup plan when things change. So I think that's being able to to work in such a dynamic uh, environment is so key. Um, I, I was able to do that well with the experience. I was sort of thrown into something that was out of my comfort zone and I was able to change and I was able to learn from that and that's how I believe I flourished.
0: You mentioned the importance of cultural awareness and there's a lot of talk about cultural competencies in this national skills conversation. How does that play out in the day-to-day work that you're handling?
2: As we continue to advance and become more innovative, it's also important to consider that there are patients who may not have access to things such as, you know, a telephone line to be able to contact us for support, or even having completed high school and having the skills to... You know, read and write, let alone use the internet to take advantage of the technology for their own benefit. So I think that's important to understand. And just in general, uh, when we're trying to coach patients and teach them to be independent with their care, there's things in their past that may pose as barriers for them to be able to improve their own health care or work with us to the best of the ability we think they may have.
0: Let's talk in the remaining minutes about technology and where you see it going in healthcare and in 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 home care and how you are anticipating with your workforce adjusting to the skills and helping your employees and patients adapt to to technologies.
1: I love technology because I think it provides freedom, and that and I think if you come at it that way, and then I don't have never thought of it as a threat but, in fact, a great opportunity to actually do things better for what we do. You know, I was I was saying my um, 90-year-old um, mother-in-law has Alexa, and you would have thought we gave her a puppy. She's, she's blind and she can now say, you know, a wonderful Italian grandmother, Alexia, call, surely. Um, and she is liberated with that freedom to use the technology in a very effective way. So I, I always have looked at the technology as a incredible opportunity to actually improve not only the outcome of the clinical experience, but actually improve the human experience. We're now seeing robots that can feel, we're seeing you know cute um, monitoring devices, put that side by side with a health professional who may be virtual or may be directly there, imagine it's a whole different experience.
0: Felicia, you've probably got more of your career ahead of you than behind you. I certainly hope so. When you think about all that technology is doing for better, maybe for worse in our society and in in healthcare, how do you anticipate it changing nursing and changing what you do?
2: As I see it now, um, we're actually teaching patients how to monitor their own health, how to communicate changes, how to identify changes with the equipment that we're bringing to their home. We're showing them how to use it. We're showing them how to communicate with us when there's a red flag. So we're actually teaching them to be more and more independent so that they don't need us there as often as we typically would be visiting them. And that is already starting to change. And it's showing... Progress because we're able to support them virtually, and I've been involved on both ends where you know I was seeing them directly, but I was also coaching them and the nurse how to use this new technology and equipment, which was a different process for me because, in the background, I had to learn all this stuff and look at it from many different perspectives, which was challenging in the beginning progressively it became more and more natural, especially as I saw the value on the other side when I was actually monitoring the feedback that was coming from patients. So the questionnaires, their vital signs, and being excited to communicate back to them and to reassure them that, you know, the situation wasn't urgent. It was something that they should be expecting as part of their specific health ailment. And then connecting back with the team. So All the while, nobody had actually physically been in the home, so we were able to do so much remotely and still have that rewarding feeling that I would have got uh, normally when I've actually seen the patient, provided direct care, and had left. So it's pretty amazing, and I think, yeah, we will only continue to build on that. And yes, maybe the nurse may not be required to be physically present, but in so many other ways virtually, we can still support them on so many different levels, which is uh, also very amazing and intriguing.
0: And, and surely the technotopians, if, uh, if that's what they're called, would have us believe that eventually AI and robots is going to do all this. There's nothing that a nurse can provide or a doctor can provide that ultimately technology can't deliver. Do you buy that?
1: No. I, I think that it'll all be a, a complementary array That's where the fear comes in with technology when you look at it as a replacement or a total substitution. I look at it as an enhancement. I also look at it as an amazing new skill set for health professionals to to move into a whole different way of connecting with people on a virtual way. Uh, But I think we're going to see all these facets, which we see today where we can sometimes order our groceries online, we want to go in ourselves, it's a whole combination and that's the personalization. That once we know one individual and their family and the care they need, that's all we know. And if we have a whole array of all of these various interventions, The care will actually become much more personalized and customized, and we'll actually be able to do that economically. So I I always say to everyone when they go, well, you can't replace everything. I go, you're absolutely right. What we're actually trying to do is make the picture actually clearer and more comprehensive with all the pieces of the puzzle in there.
0: So with all that in mind, when you're hiring, what do you look for most?
1: We have changed over the years. and I think now we, there's there certainly, I mean, in healthcare, I would be um, misrepresenting how wild and crazy we are in now this day and age. We are still very much about credentials and knowledge workers and those fundamental skills. And, and there certainly is a need and a role for that. We are now looking very much at the skills that are required. Um, people skills, um, competencies, I mean, it's funny, people have asked me over the years, was it my nursing degree, was it my business degree, you know, what, what were the things that really helped me? And I always say, it was being a waitress for many, many years, because what I learned about was people, and really the service orientation, and you know, some people have become very irritated with me when I explain it that way, but it's to know what people are all about, to know actually how to connect with them. The basic fundamentals of clinical care, yes, but I don't believe you can be now an an amazing nurse that just clinically is skilled. There are all of these other very, very important skills, even more so now in this day and age with technology, that will be critical.
0: Tell us a bit about your own education and what, in hindsight, you wish you had learned or learned differently and what is most valuable and sticks with you today.
1: I wish I knew earlier on just how much I don't know. And that, you know, you only learn that with life and experience. But, you know, with the various degrees, certainly the early ones, I thought, now I know everything. And then now that you really get to, you know, further sort of skills and credentials, you realize it is more about your values, how open you are to new ideas, very different skills that allow you to be flexible and agile, you don't learn those things necessarily. It's sort of life experiences and people. And we actually need to change that. We have to force those kinds of educations that really develop those skills because we assume... Now that you have sort of bachelor of science, you know, everything about biology and chemistry and physics, voila, you know how to work with people. And I
0: think that's changed. Felicia, when you look back on your schooling, what do you wish you might have learned differently? And what are you glad that's still with you today?
2: When I look back on my schooling, I don't think I really would have changed anything because now after hearing Shirley speak as well, I think uh, that period of time really defined my work ethic today. And I was going to university full-time, cramming all my classes in two days and working full-time. And helping my parents out, they had a pub actually in Oshawa, (laughs) which was in sort of a marginalized area that they weren't familiar with. And I'd go there on the weekends, even uh, traveling from Barrie, taking the GO bus, going all the way to Oshawa, helping them so that they could be successful. And as I reflect after hearing Shirley, that I think helped me flourish and really do well in life because I was able to work with so many Different people hear their stories and hustle, learn how to really hustle. At the end of the day, um, I think that was the most success I endured, I think, in my life. Um, and it, it really wouldn't defined, change a thing. Wouldn't change a thing. It,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's inspiring and encouraging to hear about how much innovation is going on in healthcare and especially on the front lines of uh, of home care. Some of that's because of technology but it's also because of the great human skills that uh, you've shared with us today. So thank you, Shirley. Thank you, Felicia, for this uh, conversation. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for downloading RBC Disruptors. If you'd like to read our report, Humans Wanted, go to rbc.com or just Google RBC and Humans Wanted. Today's show was produced and edited by Peter Henderson. You can reach us at rbcdisruptors at rbc.com or join the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag rbc disruptors. I'm John Stackhouse. Thanks so much for listening.